this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of the union, Jay, hoist the flag. We've got a union member here. Hoist the union jack. <laughs> we need a dig me out flag for people to buy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. To get you know, I want to stick it. I got a nice Ford F-150. I'm going to stick it right on the back, <laughs> drive it around town. Burning coal. I'm gonna I'm gonna burn some coal. <laughs> uh, Jeff Gentis is joining us. He was here last year. Uh, any coal burned in that time period between the last visit, or uh, you driving uh, you driving an EV? Um, no EVs for me. Uh, I'm coming in hot though, guys. I'm ready to talk music. I'm ready to talk Latibra. I am ready to go. I watched the documentary. Excellent. Let's, let's get ready. So last year you were here for Brian Jonestown. This one is La Tigre, or La Tigre, if you're dumb like me and you don't really know how to pronounce it. Uh, Four years of high school French. Let it agree. <laughs> so I was familiar with this record, Jay. La Tigre's debut uh, 1999 self-titled album. Uh, I knew this from when it came out, actually, I, even though I was not a big Bikini Kill fan. Um, yeah. I don't know how this came across my radar, but it did. Had you ever heard this record before? Never heard it. I mean, I knew it was Kathy and Hannah's other band. I remember the album cover, and I had a general idea of maybe what it sounded like, um, but I hadn't spent any time with it. So this came out, like I mentioned, in 1999, October, on Mr. Lady Records. Did you get this when this came out, Jeff, or did you get it later? No, I heard about it through the CD trading site Lala.com. That was a thing in the mid 2000s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had a, a you know, pretty solid message board. And somehow I heard about it through there. You know, I had heard by Bikini Kill from like the Kill Rockstars compilation. And I was like aware of them because I read Rolling Stone. But, you know, they didn't have sort of radio and TV hits. And I just never had dialed into them. So um, I don't know what. I don't know what actually it was the trigger, but I know I heard about them through that site. Uh, a little bit of uh, detail about this. This record was produced by Chris Stamey of the DBs. He's also worked with a number of other people like he actually worked with Alex Chilton and played with him and um, uh, produced a lot of other bands. Uh, so this was originally Kathleen Hanna, who had formerly been in Riot Girl band Bikini Kill, along with Joanna Fateman and Sadie Benning. Um, Hannah lived with Fateman. Uh, they were doing a band called Troublemakers, and they had con- collaborated with Benning on a video for the 1997 album Julie Ruin, which is a solo album by Kathleen Hannah. Um, so they wanted to do some music for, um, or they wanted to do some. Uh, stuff for julie ruin and ended up becoming this becoming the three of them working and became the tigra the tigre the tigra to tigre which one is it tigra gra um they stuck to a plan of only using like 
very primitive instruments, um, old instruments, because they wanted a, a different aesthetic of being in a punk band. Um, instead of a thrashing drum kit and, you know, bass and guitar, they wanted keyboards, a farfisa, uh, a drum loop. So every there's no samples on this record. Everything they did, they recorded, but some of the stuff that they would do is like basically early Pro Tools. They would cut things up and, and piece together loops. So some of the things like sound like they're loops off of, you know, 1960s <laughs> girl group albums, but they're actually them playing and then editing it. Um, Benning was unable to tour in support of the album and they were replaced by J.D. Sampson Um, and this was originally released on Mr. Lady Records and I think it was re-released later if you're on um, Spotify it says Ouija Records I think did some re-releases for this um Let's get into the comments over at Patreon. What did people have to say? We'll share the results of the poll later, but this is what some folks had to say about this record. <clears throat> Brad Duncan said, this is an incredible worthy album. This hits like a bomb. This hit like a bomb when it came out. They pretty much brought dancing back to the punk indie world in a couple years before the electro clash indie dance waves of the early 2000s. And perhaps more importantly, they were a very political band, but were fun and bouncy at the same time. The song Hot Topic is literally a history lesson in feminist trailblazers, but in the form of a catchy earworm. Not many bands can teach you feminist history while making you dance. Honestly, this is one of the most influential albums you have reviewed in some time. A genuine classic. No hype, hype, hyperbole. I almost said hyperboil. Uh, Ian McIver said, well, not a ballad album. I'm sure more time and a deeper dive may revise my rating, but for now it's a better EP. Hale Phillips said, I think of this album as having a few tracks I love and then a bunch I don't remember as well. But every time I listen to it, one of those tracks get a, gets a permanent promotion. This is a worthy album that I've engaged with more like it'd be a better EP, but if anyone here is worthy, it isn't me. And Willie Dillon said, you're worthy to me, Hale. I like the positivity in our comment section, boosting each other up. Love it. Love it. Uh, Willie also said, some of it's interesting, but one of their voices reminds me of screaming of a screaming banshee, which I don't find to be terribly pleasant. <laughs> okay. Bill Davidson said, the Tigre is fine. Not a band I would listen to other than for this DMO review. Smarty Pants 90 bands like this remind me of phonies who fake laugh at Wes Anderson movies because they want to seem cultured. Was that negative? Sorry. Decent single, (laughs) Friendship Station has a cool sounding sample. As we mentioned, Bill, it's not a sample. They actually played it and sampled themselves. So I guess it's a sample, technically. It's like a meta sample. It's a meta. (laughs) Sample squared. Patrick Testa, within the scope of the history of alternative and rock music itself, this record sounds like a classic. So many reference points are jammed into 43 minutes. Lyrically and musically, it harkens back to 60s girl groups and 80s intelligent experimental punk and alternative. A minor quip would be the lack of real drums, but the program percussion suits suits this album perfectly well. well. We'll share the results of the poll at the end of the show but jay tell me one thing you liked 
about the self-titled album by Le Tigre. I'm a sucker for albums that put you in a place. You know, when you hear them, you can close your eyes and kind of imagine you're somewhere specific um, with a certain atmosphere, things going on, people, certain people there. This feels like I'm in a bedroom or I'm hearing them in a bedroom, like creatively just riffing, having conversations, working out ideas and fairly quickly with a very simple, honest approach, just capturing those moments, um, which I really like. I, I, I enjoy records that put me somewhere and this definitely puts you somewhere. I think between the, you know, the lyrics at times even sound like um, conversations that, you know, people would have. You can imagine uh, members of the band talking about John Cassavetes and like, Hey, let's like basically turn that into a song or the Metro, my, my Metro card, even hot topic, you know, just that feels like the, it was generated out of a conversation between two or three people and spontaneously put together into a song. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. It, it just feels pure and honest to me. And then the production complements that. So it's not just the kind of lyrical approach and the same, but also the way it's assembled, like you mentioned, it's, it's a, I guess, lo-fi in, in that it's not overly, um, you know, it's not high fidelity. It's not like a big drum kit and lots of reverb. It's like a smaller sound drum machines. It feels assembled with, you know, loops and, um, a lot of the dynamics are, you know, things coming in and out. Uh, so it feels very much like a recording project, like a four track bedroom, you know, four or eight track recording project. Um, even the tones, they don't, they don't sound roomy. You know, the, if there's bass or guitar in here, it sounds like you just plug it straight into the, into the four track and maybe had a pedal in front of it. So it just has this really like warm, um, you know, small room sound. So very much plays up to me in my own mind, that idea of like, Oh, this is a, like a cozy bedroom, you know, and people are like in a safe place putting together fun ideas um, spontaneously and not overthinking it. Uh, and I think that comes across um, in the way that the album sounds too. Um, I think the last thing is, you know, all that's great if there's not some fun hooks, which this, I think, album has some spots in it that um, are a little unexpected. I didn't expect like the 60s kind of doo-wop girl group vibes <laughs> like not that it's like a blatant um reference but they hit in that space somehow either through like some of the vocal stuff maybe in like hot topic to some of the 60s feel loop treatments they did um on my my metro card is a good example lesson ray is another good example
so there's some there's some fun moments in unexpected sounds as well um and i like the comment i agree with the you know it can be a little bit political a little bit like you know um progressive but still fun and i just love that they can do that that's that's hard to do and a lot of bands could pull that off um most bands that do that they end up sounding angry and like it turns people off and they're able to do it in a way that's like it just feels matter of fact and um in a way that's approachable which i appreciate as well so a lot of good pieces and parts here that i think are that are pretty uh pretty fun what do you think tim well as i mentioned i i got this record around the time it came out i got it on cd and i don't know what it was that drew me to it but i know that like having listened to you know stereo lab and the grand royal bands like chibomato and biz and sort of that kind of stuff luscious jackson that kind of primed me for this even though i had no knowledge of kathleen hannah's history with bikini kill i just this probably got written up in either like the enemy i could see the enemy really digging this or some other place where you know i'm reading about this indie pop you know band that's danceable but then is also political and i'm like oh well this is perfect like this sounds really cool might have even heard it at like a listening station at uh the virgin megastore when they had those but going back to this i mean my my metro card decepticon hot topic like those hooks are just ingrained in my brain um this was also around the time i think the next year is when brassy releases their album um and it's got a similar vibe to this um some of it sounds like cheerleader chants but like to an electro pop band which it's really weird because it's such a great combo i think one of the things i really love about this is how they are able to twist like a little bit of of really underground new wave not the real poppy stuff but the stuff that's more driven like more influenced by wire you know what i mean like that small drum kit um i think it's the track let me check my notes um it's uh track six ooh the bedroom dancing mm-hmm. like that could be a wire song i i mean he doesn't sing like that but the the minimal drum kit with the, just a, a little bit of guitar um the vocals are actually i think in, in terms of uh guitar that's not the best guitar tone on this record <laughs> um no. but the vocals are really good on that song i agree and um there was stuff like that where yes there's there's the 60s influence of like it's a, a very odd sick when you think about what what they're referencing sort of like this bachelor pad swinging you know boom boom doom, 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 like that kind of stuff the stuff that like you would hear in like an oceans movie now <laughs> and to hear them taking that rhythm and reappropriating it for these a lot of songs which deal with feminism and are the opposite of that like mindset is such an interesting juxtaposition so yeah i've i've always dug this record i'm glad we got to it um 
because it's it's such an interesting, weird way to end the decade, uh, especially with Kathleen Hanna having been in, you know, the guitar end of the beginning of the 90s and ending up on the, you know, keyboard drum loop end of the 90s right. is an interesting um, evolution of her sound. So, Jeff, what works for you on this record? I mean, the first 10 seconds when I heard Decepticon after I picked up the album based on that recommendation through Ala, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. And it's, I still think what one of my, I don't know, top hundred songs. Um, and it's interesting that you have a song with that level of, a, you know, that album for me, the climax being so early and what it does for the rest of the album and how it sets the tone. Um, but this album has just so many hooks and if it doesn't have a hook, it's got a good groove. And you know, even the lyrics for me are still just about melody hooks. I mean, the Cassavetes is a great example of just where they're just saying, you know, they're having a conversation about Cassavetes. I don't, I know some stuff about film. I'm not, I have no idea what's going on <laughs> in it. I didn't care because it's just a great little ditty and it is an earworm. You know, I think it's got, you know, you, you, it, for me, it it sounds more like bands that followed things like, a, you know, I mean, I think LCD sound system is, there's something going on there in terms of like, you know, the dance indie world, but it's more like, if you're familiar with Data Rock, um, I mean, granted that guy has a warm baritone and it's a little bit more obvious you know, when he's singing about songs like Computer Camp Love, that there's humor involved, but there's still plenty of just silliness and humor in this. Um, and I think it's sort of like the politics are there if you want them, but you certainly don't need to um, be focused on it or even be, a, you know, a lyrics person or whatever it is that you like. This is just fun for me. And, um, you know, and I wasn't a huge Bikini Kill person. I mean, Rebel Girl is great. Then they have some other decent tracks, but it's pretty raw punk stuff. And this here, I mean, it's interesting. The band defines itself as like electro punk. And I think it's a little bit in their approach that might be more punk than the sound itself. Um, but it, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is this is just fun. You can love it. You don't have to take on any of the um, weight of Bikini Kill or what Kathleen Hanna means in the world of music to like this album. Yeah. And I, I didn't really think about it until you brought it up, but I hear a lot of this sound in the two thousands bands. I mean, in terms of the return of like danceable music, definitely. Cause then you have like the rapture 
mm. and Chick 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 from New York City, and these like they're doing they're doing the danceable end of like Gang of Four, yeah, and also stuff like this, um, and also like this reminded me of the Go Team. I don't know if you guys remember that band. Oh yeah, um, I don't I don't know if they're still around, but I when that first album came out, like there was this movement in the in the 2000s to add like the kitschy Farfisa stuff like and and you would get these like strange like it wasn't the post-punk stuff that was coming it was a lot of like you know Interpol and and uh uh whom I think Block Party and like you know taking after Gang of Four and Wire and whatnot it was like more danceable yeah, and their shows are, you know, were, and I, they've reunited a couple of times since, but they're dance parties. And that's the point. They do choreographed dancing, but they're also like, just clearly, I'm having fun, goof around dancing. They do coordinated outfits. It is, um, you know, it's not a poetry slam, <laughs> put it that way. It is, it's, they're, they're messing around and having fun. I mean, it's, it's a good times album, and it's one of those things where you can have it. Um, you know, it's also, it's kind of hard to have in the background because every few tracks, there's just like some really, for me, sick hook that you got that that's hard to ignore. And I, I, from what I read in just in the Wikipedia and, and then Googling a little bit, is that this was a making danceable indie music was very much on the on Kathleen Hanna's mind because she said, you know, the Riot Girl you know, girl power ethos that started the nineties with bikini kill and, and these riot girl bands sort of morphed into the spice girls and girl power. And she was like, well, crap. Like if we're going to do, if dance music and pop music is what's going to be like the girl power, then let's make some indie girl power. That's danceable. And it, yeah. And I think there's a contrast there with between like, they were not, I mean, we know from the song Rockstar, the whole rocks, the, that Courtney Love and her were not on the same plane, right? And that there were bands like L7, and they went off into, you know, L7 always had that foot in metal, whole right. started moving towards the sheeny, you know, even with some like, you know, touches of, of Fleetwood Mac before it was super cool. And I'm not just talking about the Gold Dust Woman cover. They were off on this different path. And mm-hmm. yeah, I did feel, you know, I think it's totally right. Kathleen Hanna felt like, well, what I was doing, it's turned into, you know, was, was half step below a marketing campaign. And so why not just do something totally different, which, you know, a lot of times you say that with artists where, where their next band, you're like, okay, Glenn Danzig, this is a huge step away from what you were doing before <laughs> where, where there's, where there, there's just not that much different. And maybe they added some other people to support kind of the stuff they were always doing. Um, but here, this was just felt like a new project, and the only thing she she kept her personality, but is expressing it in a in a different way that you know. Again, you don't have to be um, on board with it. I mean, this is somebody who's married to Ad Rock, so you know how seriously could she take herself? Um, <laughs> Good point. Yeah, yeah. Whenever I see either of them in a documentary, the other one is sort of like lurking behind. <laughs> <laughs> like they they must shoot all their documentaries together all the appearances together because they're always in the same documentary even if it's not about one of them yeah um jay is there anything else 
it works for you? Um, I think we, I think we hit it all. I mean, I, I, they do some genre jumping too, which is fun. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think we mentioned like some of the vent- the vintage sounds. There's some 80 sounds on here. I think a song like Fanta, which might be my favorite song on the record. Those verses are very Devo, but then it goes to a chorus that's not, you know, it's much more melodic ascending cool organ part under it. parts of this record almost sound like Ortis head you know there's quite a bit of like mm-hmm. shifting around and you know one moment i'm hearing like go-go's type early go-go's vibes um in the, in the vocals and other parts i'm like oh it's kind of like a Portishead head song <laughs> you know so it's <laughs> it's making i mean despite like it, the i guess the constraints they put on themselves to um use smaller instruments not go for the big guitars you know, try to keep it a little bit more, you know, I, I guess simple from that standpoint. Um, I think it it helped create some new sounds, which I think was part of the point, right? Let's let's not just pick up guitars and drums. Let's try some other things and see what happens. And I think they were pretty successful and probably stumbling on some other tones and and sounds on this record that uh, uh, wouldn't have been possible. They would have stuck to this the standard format for sure. Now, in in terms of what doesn't work um i I felt like there was a couple spots where like i mentioned with um uh i think it's the wire sounding song ooh to bedroom dancing like that guitar just gets so brittle in parts not when it's just like a single note but there's a couple times where it's like a full chord I'm like, oof, I wish you just dial it down in the mix a bit. <laughs> Not like I understand that we're, we're going lo-fi, but just it doesn't yeah, be yeah. so high in the mix. Like bury it in the mix a little bit. Put it behind the drums. There's just stuff like that. Where... Yeah. Yeah. I'm um I'm also super sensitive to repetition. Uh oh, if I as soon as I hear the loop, then I can't not hear the loop. And then I get obsessed with like, I, my brain can't get off of listening to the loop. And this song, this album has a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to like this, the tracks that have at least two parts, but some of them are just one part. And then they just layer things on and take things out. Um, or they're just tracks like towards the later in the record, like Friendship Station and Slideshow at Free university and dude you're so crazy those are more track oriented like they're less songy uh in terms of 
being sharper and fun. Um, they, they, and I just hear those loops and I, they just annoy me. Like once I identify them, I can only take like a couple minutes of it. And I'm like, okay, we got to wrap this up. Cause like I'm going uh, a little, little, little crazy listening to this loop. So that's a personal thing that I don't love, but um, I picked up on that sonically and I'm with you on some of the tones. They go from like being fun and charming to like, ah, that's a little, a little loud or a little too off. Can we just pull back just a little bit or do another take? Mm-hmm. Especially on that guitar part. It's like maybe just one more take. I think it's a lot of a mix issue because there are, and also I, I think you're right about tempo makes a big difference. Like if it's an up tempo song, yeah, and there's and there's a consistent, really interesting melody and and vocal, then I tend to overlook how repetitive something is or yeah. how maybe the tone isn't great. But when it's stripped down to a slow tempo and all you have is a tiny little pitter patter. Yeah, drum loop, and then this really abrasive guitar. Then, then you notice, and then yeah. it like is like mm, that's a lot in my ear. Um, Jeff, is there anything that doesn't work for you? Yeah, I guess I, I would. There, dude, you're so crazy for me. Is a is a groove that just doesn't get going. So I, I tend to skip that. Um, the fourth track, the the empty, that's two those. Um, I think it doesn't, it's, it's a little too abrasive. It might be the most bikini kill sounding song on the, on the record for me. Um, I skipped that one. I don't love the video for Decepticon. It's animated and it, it dulls its energy of the song for me. I think huh. you gotta, you gotta go live, um, live performance of that. And then I can also, when I've, you know, played tracks for others off this, Kathleen Hanna does most of the singing on the album. She has a pitch. And if you're not, I can imagine, you know, I get it. If that's not, you can't get into it. I mean, I don't like screamo. I like emo, but I don't like screamo. I just can't do like certain vocal ticks. You just can't, mm-hmm. everyone can't handle. I can imagine people saying that about um, the lyrics here or the, the vocals here, rather that even um especially in the course uh, not in the courses but in the verses if you just can't handle um a certain uh, her higher her higher end pitch i get it sure yeah there's a couple spots but i i get what she's doing like i get her approach um so in, for the most part it doesn't bother me 
um, when she gets uh, really up there and her mm. voice breaks and stuff like that. I get more bored. Like, what's your take on Casavetes is fine. It's just very repetitive. And <laughs> they just beat that hook in your brain, man. Yes. I, I, when I was doing my notes, I was like, ah, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not super into the, I, I like the idea of this song and I like the lyrics mm-hmm. are a lot of fun, but I'm like, this is kind of annoying, but damn it. I walked away and was like making dinner and I was singing the song in my head. And I was like, Ugh. cause it's just like, Oh yeah. Your brain. It's just like, you will remember this for the rest of my life. If I ever hear the name Cassavetes, right. that's what's going to hear. That's what I'm yeah. going to hear. What's your take on Cassavetes? What's your take on Cassavetes? I'll probably even do that like when I'm, you know, having dementia when I'm 90. I'll be just like, what's your take on And they'll be like, oh, he's just, he's a film fan, that one. Uh, and here I didn't know if they were talking, not that huge of a film fan. I mean, I like movies, but I didn't know. I was like, are you talking about Nick Cassavetes or John Cassavetes? I didn't actually know. So I think Nick was like an actor in the 90s, maybe, or 80s. I, again, I don't know. They're just names. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I don't have any chart info on this. I'm, I'm imagining. I mean, 1999, this was released on a tiny record label out of uh, San Francisco. So I don't think this probably charted. Um, let's get to our ratings on this record, and we'll share the Patreon poll in just a moment. But Jay, where do you land after all this discussion on the self-titled album by Le Tigre? Where do you land? I land at a worthy album. I mean, it's only, what, 34 minutes or something? Yes. Uh you know, uh, there's a stretch, like I said, between my, my Metro card and Lesson Ray that I don't love. That it starts to lose me. I wouldn't mind if those were dropped. There's some cool sounds, and I think that's what's convincing me to to go with a with an album over an EP because I'd be dropping, you know, three three tracks. But I think there's it adds to that overall aesthetic of the record. This, you know spontaneous lo-fi do it yourself you know let's just get a bunch of instruments from the pawn shop and put together a record vibe i think it adds to that and kind of holds it together a bit as a record even though they're not stellar tracks and as strong as something like hot topic or fanta to me uh so i'm I'm with the worthy album i think it's worth if nothing else to check out and spend a little bit of time with what you guys talked about in terms of how much this influenced uh even into the early 2000s and the term that you know indie rock took towards being a little bit more danceable so i'm at a worthy album but it's interesting because i think i've got a i'm lean more towards the back end of this record i like friendship uh station and slideshow at free university um if i was going to cut anything it would be Ooh, the bedroom dancing and dude, you're so crazy. I'd cut it down to 10. But like you said, this is like, it's such a short record. Um, everything goes by so fast. Yeah. There's not a song 
close to four minutes, like three forty-four, I think, is the longest song. Um, and the and the abrasive moments are fleeting. Yes, it, you know, it's, you might not like her voice in one part of a song, but she changes it up enough throughout the record that you know it, you, you can stick with it. Yep, Jeff. I'm at a worthy album, fellas. <laughs> I uh, no, I, I really besides the two songs I mentioned before, um, love it. I have a version with a couple of PBC tracks on it too, um, on CD that are fun to to add. Um, I guess you know, and just in terms of the sales job to for folks who haven't you know who aren't already uh, sold by the interludes that will be woven in here. Um, I you know I get. For you know, I I know some of the listeners were like you know maybe in high school or college when the Riot Girls scene was a thing, and you know maybe it didn't hit them the right way. And I get it, you know. Um, it took me a long time to get over the fact that I'd spent eighteen dollars on Vitalogy and it had a song like Bugs on it, and you know that hurt me at the time because I got like, bugs <laughs> in my room. You know, I think I had to work about five hours in order to afford that CD. How <laughs> many hours do you have to work for that song? I know there's a lot of time, you know, changing the hot dog water. I stood in line at a midnight sale for that. Yeah. And, and I got it on cassette. Wow. Yeesh. That was a good, that was, and you know, my dad still has an issue with Pink Floyd. Cause you know, back when Pink Floyd was big, he just knew the guys who were Pink Floyd fans and he just wasn't into them. And I get it. And you don't want to spell women with a Y. I get it. You know, that's cool. I'm just saying, put all that aside. Just take the fresh look at this. This is fun. Give it a shot. And like you said, half hour. Yes. Well, the results from the poll are a bit more divided. Our patrons voted 46% were the album, 38% better EP, and 15% decent single. This is like the 92 election, Jay. We got, (laughs) you know, when Clinton won... But it was a plurality, not a. Uh, Are you majority. making a Ross Perot reference? That's a yeah. So <laughs> decent singles like our Ross Perot. Did you pull oh, them on? Uh, did you pull them on their feelings about Casabetti's though? Thirty-eight <laughs> uh, percent said genius. Sixty-two <laughs> percent. Misogynist said misogynist <laughs> and alcoholic. <laughs> alcoholic came in third. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With point point zero one. Uh well, this was a really cool record. I'm glad we got to talk about this because it's such an interesting end to the 90s with this album. So thank you, Jeff, for bringing this to us. And this was just in a poll, right? Last month. Yeah. Yes. We saved it. I, I I suggested it to see if you know it could survive a poll or if I'd have to do it myself. It made it to the second round, came in fifth out of six. So uh, I pulled it out, and I got another. Go. I got plans for another one. That's a that was a poll loser for twenty twenty three. Look out! <laughs> that's right. Even though our polls might uh, be brutal in their elimination of very worthy records. They can always be fished out from the uh, from their 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 corpses can be reanimated, and uh, we can part of, part of the oligarchs oligarchs here to dig me out union. 
can yes <laughs> we have the technology wield your power and influence uh so as mentioned you can join us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com that's where you can vote on these polls that we do every month it's 27 albums going up against each other three rounds and then a final round of six two from each poll who will the records be that we check out we don't know until the poll is answered it's also where you can vote in the polls for album suggestions and uh, picks by our patrons and where you can read the box newsletter which is available via our website digmeoutpodcast.com it's a newsletter that comes out every weekend with a calendar of new releases plus reviews of two new albums books tv shows movies documentaries about 80s and 90s music it's also dig me out podcast where you go to uh digmeoutpodcast.com is where you go to suggest an album by going to our album suggestion page and lastly apple podcast is where you go to leave some positive feedback about this podcast for jay i'm tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode dig me out Bye.